0: So Graham is one of our deacons here at Bloomsbury and has been very active over the last couple of years in bringing some really important challenges to us as a church about how we can engage more in issues around caring for the environment and those sorts of things. Uh, Graham, first of all, one of the initiatives you've been working with us on is getting Bloomsbury registered as an eco-congregation. How's that going?
1: Okay. Well, in a completely spontaneous way. Thank you, thank <laughs> yeah, you for asking. This is not a scripted Simon. conversation
0: at all. <laughs> uh, um,
1: yes, just this week, I, uh, I, I completed the forms and I posted them off to an organisation um, called uh, La Rocha Trust, which helps churches uh, in sort of measuring their carbon footprint and the other impacts that we're having on the environment. And they offer bronze, silver, and gold awards. And whilst we don't really need to, to, to get an award for the, for the church, I think we're quite confident in our ministry in our, our theology and, and where we are as a community. And of course, there's not a league table about how green we are compared to other churches. There's, it's not a competitive thing. But I think it would be, I, I thought and, and uh, in speaking with, with the deacons of the church, we, we agreed that that it would be an opportunity for us to demonstrate our commitment, uh, not just to the environment, but to, to our awareness of the environment. And um, it's not a goal in itself, but it's just a measure of our journey along that road to, to, to help us to understand better the, the impact that we have not just on the local environment here, here in London, but in, in the way that um, our our actions affect the the, the, the uh, all all of God's creation.
0: Great, thank you. And here you're beginning to see the little difference in Graham's. Uh rather beautiful and lovely personality type and my perhaps slightly more hard-edged one because you say it's not a competition but just this week St James Piccadilly circulated through churches together in Westminster a boast I mean a notice that they just achieved their gold award so uh, well done to St James Piccadilly well, 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 well done <laughs> but,
1: but let's not rise to that let's, let's be confident in ourselves and, and how we are <laughs> but let's be, let's be aware and let's be conscious of, of the journey that we're embarking on here.
0: Thanks, uh, Graham. For, so. for
1: information, I, I had a conversation on the phone with the organisation. We applied for bronze for the first level, but I'm quite confident that we're going to get silver and we're well on our way to getting the gold. Yeah.
0: That's really, really good news. I'm delighted to hear it. So, Graham, uh, we're here talking about it's Harvest Sunday, and we're thinking about the relationship between harvest and God and the environment. So what kind of comes to your mind when we, we put those things into the mix? Uh, well, it's, for,
1: for, for, I think personally, it's become so ingrained in, in my mind. It's sort of common sense, but I, I understand that common sense perhaps isn't that common. But um, if, if we're going to celebrate and exist in a world that, that God's created, that, that, that we can be a part of, then for, for me, it's difficult to act in a way where consciously we're, where we're degrading that, that, that world. So I try to understand and, and, and increase my understanding of the impacts of my actions in that world. And, and without being preachy, and that's kind of ironic because I'm standing at the front of a church... But without being preachy, I want to share perhaps by my example, rather than by diktat, how other people can enjoy uh, li- li- living in a more harmonious way.
0: So as a Christian, what matters to you personally then about these issues? I,
1: I see it as a social justice um, element, and I, I don't want to um, ruin the, the lives of other people, whether that means... Uh, that their, their lands are going to be flooded or affected by climate change or, or weather patterns. I don't want to take food out of, out of the mouths of, of people who are hungry. Uh, I, and I, I want to try and share that, that, that wider brotherhood and, and, and sisterhood of, of, of creation with those people rather than just demanding my piece of it.
0: So there are some Christians uh, elsewhere, perhaps uh, not here at Bloomsbury, I hope, who would regard uh, engaging with this as a a bit pointless. Why do you think it's your faith that drives you into engaging with environmental issues?
1: I'd like to talk to those people and I'd like to discuss that and I'd like to to argue those points. Mm. Um, I don't, sorry, I really don't understand the question. I'm not being facetious. No. but to say that, that, to say that um, the, the expression of one's faith is pointless it, it just doesn't compute for yeah. me at
0: all. So for you, the, the, the environmental care is integrally linked to and arises out of your Christian faith. Indeed. and The two are utterly inseparable. Yeah,
1: indeed. Yeah. They, they, they are one. Yeah. yeah. Just, okay. as, just as we're all one on, on this planet and we're all connected.
0: So trying to earth this a little bit in terms of practical stuff then, what as Christians can we do to express our care... For this world that God has entrusted to us?
1: Again, I I, I don't want to be preachy, but I think think it's incumbent upon us to to try to to extend our our knowledge and our understanding of the world around us. It's it's become quite a small planet, and it's quite easy, very easy now for us to to read and to understand uh, how how our actions uh, impact. And just as Luke was saying, uh, I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, a chocolate bar, what, what, could, pro- prob- what could possibly be a, have? How could a chocolate bar have any negative connotations? But actually, as Luke said, when you start looking into it, and, and um, perhaps there, there may be um, uh, economic reasons or social reasons or environmental considerations about that purchase that you make for a simple chocolate bar. And now it's quite simple for us, quite easy for us to understand better about uh, about what goes into uh, the chocolate bar but not just the ingredients but the uh, the sort of social and economic methods that, that have been been used to create that chocolate bar for us
0: thank you one one final question uh, we had an event here yesterday where one of the speakers goes by the name of science mike uh, would you see any conflict between what we hear from science about the natural world and your own understanding of it as a christian
1: no now um, I don't want to give the game away too much, but I think you asked me a similar question uh, last week. And uh, I've been, I've been try- trying to think about that, but I, I don't see any, any, any problem with that at all. And, and one of the ways that I thought of expressing that, and, and it might sound a bit pithy, but when, when you look into your lover's eyes, and, and you, 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 you fall in love, and you, you see someone's eyes, the fact that you understand that they may have inherited the genes that color those eyes and make those eyes blue or or brown or whatever, doesn't detract from the beauty that you see when you you fall upon those, when you you look upon those eyes. So just the understanding of how something physically works doesn't take away the wonder of it.
0: Great. Graham, thank you.
2: That's brilliant. We're going to stop there, but thank you so much. This reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today.
0: I don't know about you, but sometimes, I can find the whole conversation around environmentalism, global warming, and the many and varied ways humans fail to care for creation to be a hugely distressing topic. I remember a few years ago now, I was at a conference and I heard a talk about this, which pulled no punches on the damage we were doing and the devastations that were coming. And I find myself unable to sleep properly for some weeks. Because as soon as my mind relaxed, I started worrying and worrying about what kind of world we were creating for future generations. And yet against this, in today's reading from the Sermon on the Mount, we hear Jesus saying, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Which is fine at one level, I suppose. There, there, Simon, it'll be all right, or it won't, but don't worry about it either way, and just focus on today, and leave tomorrow to tomorrow. Great, well, thanks, Jesus. But I don't know how this helps, really. I mean, for starters, telling me not to worry about something is a bit like telling me not to think of a pink elephant. Immediately, it's all I can think of. And anyway, if the climate scientists are right, today's trouble is nothing compared to the trouble that's coming for the future, so a bit of worry might seem a perfectly proportionate response. And I find myself wondering, is the appropriate Christian response to environmental concerns, to simply busy ourselves with the problems of today and put tomorrow's problems out of our minds? There are certainly plenty of Christians around who will tell us that this is exactly what we should do, focus on the issues of the moment, such as personal morality or the conversion of the nations, and leave the environment to its own future. In fact, some Christians will go even further than this and will say that they believe that the earth is going to be recreated in the near future anyway, and so the reason they don't need to worry about the future of the planet is because God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and the old one is going to pass away. Sadly, this morning isn't the time for a sermon on the eschatology of catastrophe. Maybe we can come back to that another day. But I do wonder whether this is all something of a misreading of what Jesus is getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. After all, his advice to not worry about tomorrow isn't the starting point. It's his conclusion. And I'm not sure he's talking about creation care, although he is clearly talking about creation I'm also not sure he's primarily talking to people like me, who have enough money and power to make strategic choices about the future. In our reading, Jesus starts by telling those listening to him not to worry about their life, what they will eat or what they will drink, or about their body, what they will wear. He's talking to people facing death through starvation and thirst, to people who didn't have enough in the way of clothing, He's talking to Jewish peasants, the victims of the Roman occupation of their country, the people at the bottom end of society, not the top. To those who have been damaged by society, the marginalized and the impoverished, Jesus offers an analogy with the birds and the lilies. And he does this to assure them of God's great love and care for all that has been made, including them. One of the conversations that sticks in my mind from my first year helping with the night shelter here at Bloomsbury was the observation from the trainer about how a person's horizon of planning can shrink when they're made homeless. So, for example, my horizon of planning stretches to when I'm in my 80s. I invest in my pension. I hope for a long and healthy retirement. I save for the next time I'm going to need to change my car. I'm saving for my next holiday. I plan for my future. By contrast, a person who has lost everything, who has no home, no stability, no job, will often find that their horizon of planning shrinks, sometimes to just today. The only questions on their mind might well be, where shall I sleep tonight, and what shall I eat today? If you want to understand Jesus' words about not worrying about the future because today has enough worries of its own, talk to someone who's homeless. Better yet, volunteer to help with our night shelter. But back to worrying about the future and the way we care for creation. I do not think that it's possible for us to separate out our environmental concerns from our concerns for the poor. And we cannot separate our desire to help the poor and the vulnerable from our care for the world we're asking them to live in. These are two sides of the same coin. The liberation theologian, Pablo Richard, sums it up quite well. He says that the various plagues of the Bible, earthquakes, volcanic explosions, floods, droughts, cyclones, hurricanes, and so on, are not natural disasters, because they fall primarily on the poor. He says, agonies of this kind are rather the direct consequences of the structures of domination and oppression that humans create. He goes on, the poor die in floods because they're pushed out of the safe places and forced to live alongside rivers. In earthquakes and hurricanes, the poor lose their flimsy houses because they are poor and cannot build better ones. Plagues such as cholera and tuberculosis fall primarily on the poor who are malnourished, uneducated and lacking in sanitation infrastructure. Hence, the various plagues of the Bible are not natural disasters. Rather, they are the agonies of history, that humans both cause and suffer. They are the disastrous results of ecological destruction, the arms race, irrational consumerism, the idolatrous logic of the market, and the irrational use of technology and natural resources. So says Pablo Richard. So if we think back to what we've heard already in our service this morning, there is enough abundance in creation to sustain all that live on this planet. There is no need for anyone to be starving. There is no need for us to live destructively. We live in a resourceful world, and as Christians we need to learn to see this as a gift from God. But our faith also tells us that we have a responsibility before God to be good stewards of creation, to ensure a just and equal sharing of the things that earth affords, as Fred Kahn's hymn that we sing sometimes puts it. And we need to realize that it is human behavior that forces people from abundance to scarcity. It is human behavior that turns a natural event into a disaster that targets the poor. This means that the decision of who gets food and who doesn't, the decision of who lives and who dies, is fundamentally a spiritual one because it's a decision that arises from human choices, which are informed by human consciences and human ethics. So, should we worry about tomorrow? Well, Jesus asks the rhetorical question, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And so maybe the first part of our answer needs to be, no, it's true. We can't add a day to our own lives by worrying about tomorrow. But... As Dawn said to me when we were planning this service, maybe the second part of our answer to Jesus' question needs to be a recognition that by considering the futures of others, particularly those who are the victims of our globally destructive systems, and by acting accordingly, we might well be able to add an extra day to their lives